So, uh, I'd ask you to go to Matthew chapter, thir- chapter 13. Uh, we're primarily going to be doing verses 44 to 46 today. And two more short parables. Of the kingdom parables, we're going to be going over the treasure and the pearl today. Chapter 13, verse 44 is the first parable, which reads, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. All right, so this parable, oh man, I hope everything's all right back there. This parable is only one verse, but it says a whole lot. Um, The gist of it, I think this one is pretty obvious here. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So it speaks to the inestimable value of the kingdom. And how we should regard it, right? So the kingdom is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. You know what? The kingdom is present. It's in the field. How many people walk by the treasure day by day by day and not notice its presence, not notice that it's there, but it's been there the whole time, waiting to be discovered. And this man in this parable comes up, he finds it hidden in the field, and what does he do? He covers it up because he's... He's discovered it. He's found it. This is his treasure now. He covers it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You know what that tells me? That the treasure that he found in that field is worth more than anything of value in his life. It was of greater value than everything he possessed, everything he owned. This treasure that he found, it evoked a radical reaction. It was so amazing, so awesome, so magnificent that there was nothing in his life that that the sum total of everything in his life did not match its value. And how many of you know that that's how valuable the kingdom is? It is worth more than you have, more than you own, more than you possess. Are you hearing me? All right. Praise God. We have found it. We're like the man. We found the treasure hidden in the field. And now that we found it, let us not hold on to trinkets of the world. Let us not hold on to those things that that were valuable to us before we came into the kingdom. Let us abandon all of the dung, all of the nonsense, and, and let us hold on to the only treasure that matters. 
Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, he's saying, look, my life is not my own anymore. I've been bought with the price. I, I, I abandon all of my earthly possessions, treasures, all my earthly wealth, uh, um, worth. I have, I have stopped allowing the world to tell me what my worth is and isn't. My entire worth is determined by the lover of my soul, by my God. Amen? And what he did to purchase it. And so, so he says, I, it's not me that lives anymore, but Christ who is living in me. I may live this life in the flesh, but I live by faith in the Son of God. He goes on to say in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, and I will read them here. It says, but whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. See, the kingdom of God has surpassing worth. Say surpassing worth. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I've lost, he's saying, I've lost a lot of things. I've lost much of value in this walk with the Lord. But you know what? Everything I lost, I counted as trash. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, my I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, when I was reading that, I was thinking about uh, Abraham. You know, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, right? And a lot of times, you know, we put a lot of emphasis and a lot of importance on belief. But, you know, it's not enough just to believe, you know, belief in and of itself without action. It doesn't go very far. It doesn't accomplish very much, does it? Abraham believed God and it was a counter. He didn't, did he believe him and sit on his behind and didn't do what God told him to do and just believe in God? No, he believed God when God told him to go to a, a place, go somewhere, go that direction. What's the name of it? You don't need to know that. Go that direction. There is a place that is go I'm going to build for you, and, it, and I want you to go in that direction until you get there. When am I going to know when I get there? When I tell you. 
and he uproots and he he just he didn't know you got to tell him he's got a wife he's got a family he's got a support system and God is saying leave and go and this is my part of my plan for you you're going to be the father of many nations you're going to be the father of the faith uh, uh, that there is a promise a purpose and a plan that you fit into and you're going to need to go I'm not going to give you all the details just go Abraham had a choice to make. Okay, was he going to give God an ultimatum and say, hey man, I'd love to go, but you're going to have to spell this thing out for me and lay it out A, B, C, D, E, and F. No, Abraham believed and trusted in God. He didn't have all the answers spelled out, but God said go, and God gave him a promise. And he believed God, that God was faithful, and God was going to carry out that promise. He was going to bring it to pass. And he believed it so strongly that he did the radical action of actually doing it. You know his people was asking him, now tell me again, what did God say? No, exactly, what did he say? Word for word. Okay, and they're asking, peppering him with questions. Where are you going? How long does it take to get there? What are the people like? What's the terrain? All these other things. What are you going to do for a living? How are you going to support your family? All these things that people who care about you are going to ask. And every time he's answering, God just said go. He'll let me know when I get there. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if you're ever going to see me again. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't answer your questions. All I know is that God said go. How many of you know that would look extreme? It would look radical. It would look ridiculous. And people would probably be, uh, well, saying not very nice things about him. Even those who love him the most would not be saying very nice things about him or his God. But I just want to say, when we are putting our faith and trust in God, our attitude should be, I believe in the salvation of God so thoroughly that I'm willing to bank it all. All right? I'm putting putting myself in both feet wholeheartedly. I'm trusting God all the way. I'm not dipping a toe in. I'm not going to have one foot in and one foot out. I'm not going to have a plan B or a safeguard. I'm all in for God. And what he says do, I'll do. Where he says go, I'll go. When he says obey, I obey. Right? I'm, I'm putting my whole life into his hands. And to me, that's what this little verse is saying. You know, that the heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that demands that radical action. And we should do it with joy. Notice it says, then in his joy, he has found something. And all of us in this world are looking for something. I don't know, for the first 18, 20 years of my life and so far, I was looking for belonging and acceptance. I was looking to be validated, affirmed. I wanted to belong to something, have someone see something in me. 
And how many of us, you know, are looking for love in all the wrong places, as the song says? We subject ourselves to things that are far less valued than the treasure of the kingdom of heaven because we have needs. We have things that we are looking for. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for fulfillment. We're, 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 we're looking for, for affirmation and validation. We're doing all that. And you know, and then sometimes it feels like, and maybe it's our fault. I don't know, as, uh, uh, those who, uh, preach the gospel and so forth. Maybe we're not conveying the message in the best way possible, but everybody, Christian or non-Christian, is searching. And sometimes I believe it comes across as though we're saying to the world, Hey, abandon all that fun you're pursuing and all the good times and all that and 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 and, and come over here, sacrifice all that. And, 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 and settle for this boring Christian thing. When the real message is, okay, all, all that stuff, that, 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 that need that you're trying to fulfill, all those things that you're trying to get those needs filled in are nothing. They're temporal. And they will require more of you than they give you. And the end thereof is death. The ultimate fulfillment, there's a treasure over here in the kingdom of heaven. And you'll find the fulfillment, true fulfillment, through Christ Jesus. So we're not telling you to settle for anything. We're telling you, you're going after the fraud when the genuine article is right here. And so when you find it, then in his joy, see, he's found the real deal. He's found something that's truly precious. He's found something that's worth more than anything he has ever had in his life, and it evokes joy in him. How many of you know the joy of the Lord is your strength? There is joy in the salvation of the Lord. Then in his joy, he sells, he sells everything. And he buys the whole field. He doesn't just, <laughs> he buys the whole field. So now it's his property. Nobody, you have to trespass to find. Now if anybody else stumbles upon the treasure, all right, they'd have to steal it to take it. Because he bought the field, which means anything in the field belongs to him. I, 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 I say that's fully invested right there. And so, so the kingdom of heaven is a, is a treasure, or it should be treasured by us. And, um, it should be seen for what it is. More valuable than anything and anyone in our lives. I don't have to remind y'all, Jesus said that, you know, if you love father, mother, brother, sister, even your own life more than me. You're not, you know, you're, you're not worthy to be my disciple. So he's like, I don't want you to not love them. All right. But, but there's levels to this. All right. I don't want you to not love them. I want you to love them. But, but it's thought the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. All right. 
Because if you love even your loved ones more than you love me, then they'll eventually turn your heart away from me. You're going to have to love God and you're going to have to be committed to God to where you're going to go with God even when those who love you are tempting you to go, go contrary. Well, let's go on to the next two verses. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this is a, this is all in as well, isn't it? But sometimes I've heard this passage taught as though it is talking about the value of the kingdom of heaven here. But unlike the previous verse, which tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, this one says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching. Searching for fine pearls. Doesn't say the kingdom, in this parable, it's not calling the kingdom of heaven a pearl. It's the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant who is searching for fine pearls. All right? So, kingdom of heaven equals merchant in search of pearls. Pearl of great value is what the merchant found. And on finding a pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, we don't use that word as often, but really, uh, merchants were tradesmen back in the day. Um, uh, you know, those of you who are in business, if you deal in commodities, you sell products, you're, you're, they would have called you a merchant back in the day. And so they buy and sell commodities for profit. That, that's, that's basically what they do. And so it's interesting, this merchant found a pearl of great value. And he found it. Now, that's the ultimate merchant experience, Okay. They buy low as they can and sell as high as they can. All right? And the difference, their ability to buy low and sell high determines how much profit they can make. They don't, merchants don't buy stuff for sentimental reasons. Oh, maybe present company, maybe present company excluded. I don't know. They, that their sentiment is in the making of money. All right? By and large. So they're seeing something of value and they're thinking, okay, I can, can I turn that over for a profit? All right, I'm going to try and get it for this. I think it's worth this. I'm going to buy it for this. I'm going to try and sell it for that. And that's how they make their living. But there's something about this pearl that this merchant found it does not appear that he bought it to sell it. A pearl of great value, so valuable, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. I don't know. I'm, I don't have that merchant anointing uh, to use uh, <laughs> Eloise's uh, the follow up on what Eloise said earlier today, but 
I don't have that anointing, but I'm not sure the likelihood of a merchant, a typical merchant, seeing anything of value that he found. All right. And he sells everything. Well, I'm sorry. It says on finding one of great value, but went and sold all that he had and bought it. So, uh, thinking about this now, kind of caught me off guard a little bit because my train of thought as I was studying this was a totally different way than I'm looking at this right now because he found it, but he says he bought it. So he didn't find this in a field like the treasure. It would seem someone already discovered this. He saw it. And this pearl, at least to him, it struck him at a personal level. He, he saw this pearl as a treasure so important to him that he was willing to give up all the money and the resources that he had accumulated as a merchant in his life to acquire this one pearl. And I look at this as the merchant representing the kingdom of heaven And the pearl represents us. Are you hearing me? And I think of what it cost to purchase our salvation. I think of how precious we must be to God that he would send his only begotten son to pay the price for our salvation. Are you hearing me? This To me, I believe this tells us what matters most to God and what should these two uh, parables, first of all, what should matter most to us. And these next, these last two verses, 45 and 46, what matters most to God. And I think about Christ as he was walking the earth, seeking, finding, purchasing, knowing he would eventually purchase. his children who were lost by the shedding of his own blood. What does Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6 say? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray and we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I know that there are a lot of religions that will tell you there are other ways to get there, but 1 Timothy 2 verses 5 through 6 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Why am I saying that? To me, Jesus is like that merchant seeking pearls of great value, a pearl of great, uh, uh, fine pearls. And every one of us here, and every one of us here today, as far as when Jesus looks at us, he sees a pearl of great value. And I, here at the very beginning of 2021, as a matter of perspective, I want us to see, look at the world from a kingdom perspective. And what do I mean by that? Uh, again, I want us to get out of the rat race. I want us to get out of the, the, the politics of everything, get out of all this stuff, and, and, and let's put on our kingdom, kingdom glasses, our kingdom lenses. Because pearls aren't found in pretty places. Finding pearls is a bit of a dirty business, right? And, and pearls aren't perfect pearls have blemishes right it's easy for us to see ourselves as God's pearls because we're basking in the glory of his salvation it is less easy to see those who are still walking in darkness as that they're still, God is working on them, but they still have yet to give him their hearts. Can we see them as pearls of great value that Jesus is searching for and he's going to, he's going to expect his church to be able to see the pearls In some people that don't appear very pearl-like. Are you hearing me? We're just going to have to, I, I just want us to get to a point to where we're going to say, God, uh, whatever news station I watch or whatever I listen to, or whatever personality I prefer and so forth, when I hear what they say, I don't care how good that sounds to my soul. All right, I am not going to let that be my foundation. I'm not going to let that be my marching orders. 
I am not going to do that any longer without acknowledging your presence. Okay? And taking this to you and having you and just prayerfully asking you, Father God, what is it your will? What is it you're saying to me? What is it that I should be doing in obedience and honor of you? Is what this person's saying scriptural? I just want us to acknowledge God's presence where we're at and realize, remind ourselves that we are ambassadors for Christ in this world. Are you hearing that? And it's time for us to stop letting other people tell us how we should feel and how angry we should be about stuff and what we should stay, say and, 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 and how we should look at other people. And it's time for us to take our marching orders. I'll be lifting up my iPad. My Bible's on the screen. You know, it be easier if I have my Bible. But for us to take our marching orders from God's word as to how we should regard one another. As to how we should conduct ourselves. Because we have been bought with a price. Our Americanness cannot be loved more than our relationship with the Lord. Our citizenship in this country cannot be more treasured or valued than our citizenship in heaven. Our cultural identity, our racial identity, our whatever our gender identity that now is a thing cannot be treasured more than our identity in Christ. Jesus, Isaiah 53 makes that pretty clear and there are many other scriptures. He paid it all. He gave everything. He paid the ultimate price. And the scripture says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. You know what? The joy, the pearls, us, the joy, the, 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 the joy of being reconciled with us, the, the, the joy of our being in relationship with God again. For that, for that joy, he endured the cross and the shame associated with it. He paid to the utmost the penalty for our sin, a penalty that we could not pay for ourselves. So I'm so glad he didn't just dip a toe in or he wasn't halfway in and halfway out. Uh, otherwise, at the Garden of Gethsemane, when it got when it got hard, when the flesh was trying to rise up and you know, and he's like, oh, God, I, 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 I'm not going to say he was fearful or anything like that. He was 
in all points tested just like we are yet without sin. But when he was on the cusp of suffering for us and he found himself in the garden of Gethsemane and I was so nervous in my first sermon that I ever gave, I pronounced it Gethsemane. But in the garden of Gethsemane and he said he was sweating as if it were great drops of blood. And he asked the father, there was another way. All things are possible to you. What did he say though? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he steeled himself and he walked in faithful obedience toward his torture and ultimate death on the cross. And scripture said, for the joy that was set before him, he did that. The first verse we talked about was, we find the treasure in the field and, and for joy, sell everything that we have and buy that field. You know, it was Jesus' joy to suffer the cross for us. And I want it to be our joy to be fully committed to him. To walk with him in faithful obedience because he deserves that. Don't you think? And I don't know if everyone's saved here or not, but I just want you to know that God loves you. You know, if you're questioning your value, if you don't have anyone in your life that is speaking value and affirmation to you, you know what? There is a God in heaven who loves you and he loved you enough to give his only begotten son to pay your sin debt, to save your soul, that you will be, that you could be with him in, in eternity. Amen? To save you from the wrath that is to come. He gave his only begotten son. And, and, and if you but believe in Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior, then Jesus gives you the right to become a child of God. I will share one final verse, and it's just one verse, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I know this is a time of resolutions. Me and Christy are different when she talks journals and stuff like that. I just say yuck to all of that. I've, I've tried it. I just, that's not, I don't know what to tell you. God is still working on me, I guess, in that <laughs> in that area. But you know, I felt led to I felt led to to finish with that scripture, you know, because it to me it implies full full commitment. You know, it's like He's there, just like the treasure was in the field. He's there. 
he's, he's findable. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so we've, I guess we, I guess we just got to stop playing the fields with God. I want you to start 2021 really meditating on that, what that means, seeking God with all your heart. Really committing that to prayer. When, when, when you're going into the word of God, what heart are you going into it with? Are you seeking him with all your heart? Are, are, are we just trying to get the Bible read every you know, uh, get through the Bible in a year. You know, it's good as a discipline. We want to read your word of God. You want to read the word of God. But what are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish? All right? And so, uh, so Lord, I, I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you with all of my heart. Uh, I'm seeking discovery. I, I want to know you in a deeper and more intimate way. I, I want to hear your voice. You know, when we go into prayer, are we seeking him with all our hearts or are we spending the whole time with the list of I, I wants and please do's? So I just want us to treasure him. To treasure the kingdom. He, he treasured us so much that he paid the ultimate price. And in and, 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 and verse 44 you know, makes it clear that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that requires no less of a commitment from us. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Hallelujah. And before I, uh, before I close, I'm just going to ask you all to stand there and, and just... And just think on this for, you know, for a moment. And just want you to stand there between you and God. I think for the most part, we know if we're seeking him with all of our hearts or not, or we have certain distractions that have hindered that effort. You know, everyone is spaced out and uh, for various reasons, I'm not going to do an altar call, but, but you don't have to come up here for you to do business with God. So I just want to give you an opportunity to really go, go, to, go, go to God with this. Lord, the scripture says that the first verse says that in verse 44 of Matthew 13 says the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. Father, I have found that treasure. But have I sold everything, you know, figuratively speaking, have I fully invested myself in that treasure? Am I seeking you with all my heart? Is 
And this is not a condemnation thing. If, you know, that's why it's between you and God. If, if, if you feel convicted with that, you know, just give it to God. You know, confess it to God. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we, we serve a God that loves us, that's for us, whose grace abounds toward us. We have a good, good father. So do that for uh, for a short period of time here and just uh, respond to God appropriately as he leads you in this moment. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. Purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my This is my 
Father God, we're so grateful for the blessed assurance that we have in you through your Son and our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, that what we used to be is not our story anymore. But we have a story now of redemption, a story of salvation in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that the old is dead, the new has come. And Jesus, thank you for becoming sin for us, that we might become the salvation, that we might become the righteousness of God in you. And Father, I, I thank you for speaking to us today about the treasure that is your kingdom and, and how we should treasure it and value it above all else. And I thank you for reminding us with the pearl of great, that we are pearls of great value that motivated our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to give his all, to pay to the full the sin debt that, was, uh, that we were in bondage to. Bought us. Made us sons and daughters of liberty in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for the blessed assurance of our eternal salvation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And Father, we shall treasure your kingdom. We shall be fully committed uh, uh, in, the way, in the manner that Abraham was. That, you know what? I cannot put my trust in getting all the answers to my questions. Uh, uh, my decision on whether I'm going to go or not depends on whether I deem the one who commands me to go as trustworthy and faithful. And Father, we deem you trustworthy and faithful. So as you speak to us, Father God, we will not only listen, but we will obey. And teach us, Father, to base our lives on your words, your will, your guidance and direction. That we will be people who walk not by sight, but by faith. So, Father, we thank you, and uh, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.